Hi, I'm Lisa Gale, and you're listening to the podcast for Texas holistic educators. So many parents and teachers these days have big concerns about the current state of modern education and are seeking a healthier way, one that addresses kids' whole brain needs as well as their emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Texas Holistic Educators connect parents and teachers across the state who are cultivating healthy practices in their schools and homes with the intention of empowering others to do the same. So I'm here today with Brittany Smith. Brittany is a pediatric occupational therapist and has been practicing in Houston for 17 years. And she started Empower Pediatric Therapy five years ago and the Empower School program three years ago. And also, Yasmin Ramos is her preschool teacher here at Empower Pediatric Therapy. So welcome, ladies. And we've just been touring the facility. It's beautiful, amazing, and it's exciting, all of the work that you're doing here for kiddos and for families. So I'm looking forward um, in sharing this with our listeners. So Brittany, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about why here, why now, and a little bit about the work. Sure thing. So um, three years ago, I had seven patients who had sensory processing disorder and had gotten kicked out of their current preschool program. Well, the parents had no idea what to do, where to go, and so I decided there's a niche that needs to be, there's a gap that needs to be filled, and so we filled it. I found the most perfect person for the job, that's Miss Yasmin, and we took in, started with these seven kids in our pediatric therapy clinic, but we treat them from a sensory perspective first because the goal for young kids, sensory or not, disability or not, their brains respond to how the body is feeling physically and emotionally. And until they are calm, their brains will not react or respond appropriately and can't learn like they should. So these kids are all seen as sensory and emotional beings. We meet them where they are. So our program is a individualized educational and therapeutic program. They get their individual um, therapies and social skills groups every day. And the curriculum that is designed by Miss Yasmin is incredible. So they get everything they need here all day long. The program is from nine to two with an option to stay until three for either extra tutoring, extra therapy, or just an extra social hour. That's amazing, and it's um, definitely serving a huge need in Houston, and um, and you're filling a huge gap, and there's only one of you, and there's only one teacher currently who is doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited you talked about an expansion that's coming, so uh, maybe you could tell us uh, where you're going sure. from here. Well, we're super excited to be growing. Um, We are going to Blaylock and I-10. We're moving into twice as large a location. It's going to be 6,000 square feet. 
It is standalone. It has outdoor space. It has two gyms. And so our school program, because we do focus on the sensory piece and the sensory aspect of the child, they get all of their sensory needs met first thing in the morning when they get here. So they have a full hour of individualized and group sensory activities. So the body can be calm for the brain to focus for the curriculum aspect of the rest of the day. Yeah, that's amazing. And so now I want to hear a little bit from Yasmin, the preschool teacher. And I would imagine that there are a lot of preschool teachers who would love to pick your brain. (laughs) And we could probably come up with a thousand questions and not come to the end of that list. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about what your day looks like? If you could actually just walk us through what a day looks like and how much structure is in the program, how much freedom do the children have within that structure, and how you're thinking as a teacher about the children's developmental needs and how you're structuring your environment. Wonderful. Um, That's a lot that I can uh, talk about, and we'd be here for a while. (laughs) But just to kind of start off uh, my day and to explain just um, how our morning starts. Um, We are very fortunate to have a beautiful setting here for the children. We have all the equipment needed to help um, these children um, regulate the body, keep that uh, brain focused on meeting their needs. Uh, First and foremost, we start off our day with the parents walking their children to the classroom. Um, I feel like um, this can create a lot of separation anxiety in a mainstream school or in a regular school whenever you drop off your kid at a door and there there isn't that communication with the adult that's going to be with your child all day long. So we feel that it's huge for them to create a morning routine with their children and be as consistent as possible um, for the children to be successful in the morning. We will have some criers in the morning at the beginning of our program when every kid um, starts the program. But for the most part, um, creating that morning routine for them is important. So we are all about routines, although life has challenges and changes, um, but really acknowledging the children's feelings. So if a kiddo walks in and just is not having a good day or um, is sad about whatever happened right before they walked into the door. It's acknowledging those feelings. It's speaking to them with empathy. Um, It's acknowledging the parents' feelings too because we see some pretty frustrated parents sometimes and just letting them know that um, their child is loved, um, their child belongs here, um, and we will Uh, work with them to get to a better state throughout the day. Um, It can be a roller coaster kind of day. Um, It happens two, three, five times a week. (laughs) So, um, but we just, in the moment, the most important thing is that acknowledgement um, to the child, to the the parent, to the caregivers. Um, Sometimes we have some nannies dropping off and I also feel like that morning routine with them is important because not only are they with them in the morning when they drop them off, they're probably caring for them at home. Um, So that's important for the morning. Um, Throughout the day, uh, we're lucky to have our one hour 
of big gym time. We call it the big gym. It's the coolest place on earth. We have ball pits. We have a rock wall. We have a roller coaster in there. Um, soft landing spots for anything and the coolest trampoline that bounces. Amazing. <laughs> um, it, it just allows for that movement for the children. And um, to work on just individual goals. Um, I'm assisted by many OTs um, who can help each child individually um, with those certain goals that they're they're trying to meet. So we work together, OT, school, um, the OT part and the school part, and we're in constant communication um, and um, help the OT teacher or the OT meet the goals and they help us meet our academic goals too. So um, like Brittany said, it's an individualized program. Um, so each child has those assessments um, that I also create for them following TEA uh, standards. Um, so we want these children to eventually move on to the right type of program. We want to be the bridge to where if they need more of a speech school or if they need or if they're wanting to go into a mainstream school, it's setting up the children for success. It's giving the parents the education um, and also um, being able to mentor them through um, that process. And also, um, Brittany um, is so helpful to the parents in so many ways, but just that opening doors to schools that they didn't even know were out there or programs that parents didn't even know were out there um, to where she goes to these schools, visits the schools. Um, I've done this also, um, but figures out if that's even the right program to even send the children to. So just um, having a, a compilation of programs where we can pull from if that's something that uh, we have a resource for the for the families so um yeah that's it's it's so cool it's it's a busy day um you need energy <laughs> you need to take care of yourself um these children want love they crave love we have love we have passion and patience. And we feel like those three love, passion, and patience have definitely worked to make these children successful and uh, to make each other successful because we are um, feeding off of each other as coworkers um, and teachers. Um, and I just feel that's so, so important. Yes. Gosh, that's beautiful. I did ask you a huge question and yeah. you gave a really huge answer. <laughs> that was really helpful. The, the, the piece that I want to touch on is when you talked about the children starting their day with a full hour of movement and getting the, their sensory needs met. And Brittany, you mentioned the importance of that so that their brain can be ready and in a receptive state of learning. So can you talk a little bit more about those connections? Sure thing. That's my most favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> um, so like I said before, um, young kids, whether they're sensory processing, whether they have a disability or a diagnosis or not, young kids usually under about the age of eight and under their brains respond to how their bodies are feeling physically and emotionally. 
if that body is not calm, their brain's not going to function at its maximum maximum potential. So our goal is to figure out each child what they're sensory seeking, what they need, and what they're avoiding, what they're sensitive to. So that's really the cool thing about our program is we have the OTs doing that sensory profile on each child and being able to meet their needs, keeping their body calm. Um, A child's main priority throughout the entire day or throughout their life is get my body calm or keep my body calm. If that doesn't happen first, the brain's not going to do what it needs to do. They're not going to learn. They're not going to be able to absorb the information. They're not going to be able to interact socially um, appropriately either. So the goal for this child is help them learn the regulatory tools to get their needs met, whether that means asking for help. So we have kids that they're oral sensory seekers, um, also slash biters. <laughs> um, but we find out that they're not biting out of I'm mad or I'm angry. They're biting out of I need something to chew on. I need something in my mouth. And so we teach them to chew gum. We give them ice. We give them um, jewelry, chewing things. Um, we let them chew on uh, clean frozen sponges. <laughs> sponges are not the cleanest things in the world, but ours are. Um, But just getting those needs met and knowing that child, what they need to stay calm, what they need to avoid to stay calm. And really the goal to get them calm is finding out what their body needs and what we can offer to them. Um, The ultimate goal of this is self-regulation. So when these kids leave our program, they know that When I get frustrated, I will ask mom for a piece of gum. I will ask the teacher, can I stand up, step out of the classroom, do 10 jumps, do jumping jacks. Um, I had also mentioned that I work really closely with my patients' teachers, their schools. I will give classroom accommodations to keep the body regulated. It does not put the teachers out. It actually helps them as a whole, even in the classroom, because if we can keep these kids calm, the whole day goes smoother. Yeah, that's that's super helpful. And, you know, we talk uh, on this show about holistic education, and you've already defined and described some really critical components. We've talked about movement, the body, and we've talked about the brain, And when the body's need for movement is being met, then the brain can integrate learning more efficiently. Would one of you like to talk a little bit about the emotional piece, the just the social emotional piece in terms of the children that you're seeing and the kind of things that you're doing to support them emotionally that might transfer into a typical classroom or even home setting? Why don't I say why, and then you can say what you do. Sure. Okay. So the why behind the emotional response or what emotion arises from something is their central nervous systems, and this is what sensory is, is a body-brain disconnect. So the central nervous systems are not fully developed yet. So what happens is these kids, it looks like a short circuit in their motherboard. And so the emotions are interpreted more intensely than they should be. Um, kids will 
react and respond differently depending on what arises, but a lot of kids, these sensory kids, they will react or respond with the fight, flight, or freeze. The kids that do the fight, they look like behavior kids. They look like aggressive kids. Um, A lot of these kids, while they don't have this diagnosis, they do get diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder. I do not love that diagnosis because I do not think there's a label of bad kid. Um, Our kids are not born bad. There are things in their environment that cause them to react in a certain way. So we do not see a kid as a behavior kid. We don't see it as a discipline issue. We ask ourselves, what is going on in that child's body to cause them to act like that? And what can we do to get their body calm? The kids that do the flight or the freeze, they shut down. And these are the kids that present as having anxiety. So these are those emotional things that are happening. Um, The kids that shut down and look like they have anxiety, they're working all day long to keep their body calm. But what's happening is these are usually the kids that look like they have learning delays because they were not able to absorb any of that information because they're sitting with such unrest or angst throughout the school day. So I'm going to pass it to Yasmeen, and she's going to tell you what she does about that. (laughs) Um. The emotional piece, uh, so important. Um, When a child, I go back to, walks in the door, um, we don't know what level we're getting them at each day. They can be coming in at a three from a scale of one to ten, or they can be coming in at a nine. Uh, Three being maybe they just didn't get their favorite cereal, but the day kind of went or the morning kind of went smoothly and they came in and they're happy and they're taking their shoes off because we don't wear shoes around here. (laughs) (laughs) We feel the world with our feet around here. So, um, so they, again, they could be coming at a three or they can be coming in at a nine where their mom stepped on a Lego, screamed and woke them up. Um, didn't get their favorite cereal, had the wrong kind of toothpaste. Uh, brother and sister left school, left for school before they got out the door. Their routine was completely challenged in the morning. So it's starting off their day every day is going to be that emotional piece will be different. So I feel like I may repeat myself with my the last time I talked, but that empathy, that acknowledgement, um, um, and letting those children voice their thoughts, uh, their feelings. And if they don't have the words for it, accommodate a way to give them the words. We have Uh, pictures that we can go through. Um, There's even a cool little thing that I came up with my daughter where we colored popsicle sticks and there's like um, six popsicle sticks and we have the feelings check-in which is huge. So each color identifies a certain type of feeling and if they don't want to talk that day they sure can pick a color and then we can expand from there. So acknowledgement is huge. and just um, giving them that um, empowerment to be able to express themselves. Um, it may not be with the person that's asking because um, you, you asked for me to talk about it to other teachers. Sometimes that lead teacher or the assistant teacher that wants to get uh, information from the child may not be the one to get it, but creating 
um, and a safe environment where a child can go to whoever they feel safe and be able to express themselves is huge. So empowering that for them. They have a voice, and I always tell the kids in my class, your voice is so important, and it means so much. Um, and we want to use it kind, and we want to use it to express ourselves. So, yes. Okay, that's amazing. So it, we've talked a lot about the whole child and whole child development, which is really cool. It's something that really could be happening in all preschools, and and maybe we're working our way there. You've given a lot of really great tips. Um, in in addition to the whole child, we look at the whole family, right? And and that child's home environment, the school environment, maybe that they're coming out of. And here's if we could just talk about a parent's pain point. For a moment. So um, let's say I'm a parent. I have a three-year-old child. Oh, actually, this kind of did happen with my oldest child, <laughs> but um, fast forward to just anybody who may be listening. So uh, I have a three-year-old. I'm dreading my in- inbox email. Am I going to get a teacher message today? I'm dreading going to pick up my child. What am I going to hear about my child today? Because it's obvious something's not going right in the classroom environment. I'm a typical parent. It's easy for me to say, well, what are they doing wrong? What could they do? Could they be doing differently? And also because I'm a typical parent, I could go, God, what am I doing wrong? What should I be doing differently? So it's a really difficult, awkward conversation. Um, that parents have to have with their classroom teachers and or administrators. What are, I'm curious, some some maybe stories that you have heard coming from parents who land on your doorstep? What are they often like when they first meet you? Um, if you could talk about the parents' needs and then maybe um, in a way that might help teachers and or administrators understand the mindset of that parent a little bit better, and if it's possible to um, have really connected, compassionate conversations with those parents. Okay, so this um, actually is where we start. So um, we have parents call in, and we haven't marketed our school very well or enough yet because we're still growing it and trying to figure that out, but people will call in for OT. And the OT that we do here is more the psychosocial, emotional, behavioral. So we're not working on handwriting. We're not working on physical disabilities, but it is the psychosocial, emotional, behavioral. So parents will call in and say, um, my child is struggling at school, um, getting kicked out. You know, um, teacher says they don't follow instructions. So the family will come in and I will give the family all of the tools to reset or strengthen that central nervous system. So we're actually working on the child's regulation first. What I also do is, um, because teach or parents are not with the kids all day long, they don't know what's going on in the classroom. I am very, very open and love talking to teachers, giving them classroom accommodations. Again, not to make their jobs harder, but to make their day easier. And so it's just classroom accommodations on how to get these kids' bodies calm, balanced, and regulated. Um, what I do not want is for these parents 
most of them do come in, they feel helpless. They feel at their wits end. They feel like they have not, or they're getting it from other people. Why don't you discipline your child? Well, you can't discipline sensory out of a kid. You can't discipline autism out of a kid. You can't discipline anxiety out of a kid. We have to meet these kids where they are and go to the root of the issue, which I think is the underdeveloped central nervous system. So I give the parents the tools on what to do at home. It's a sensory home program to get that central nervous system fully developed. Um, A lot of our kids uh, and parents and teachers see improvement in like four weeks, and it's really, really cool, only because these kids did not know how to get their body calm, and so we do it for them. Um, And this happens at home because I do give the home program. Um, And for the teachers, my heart goes out to them because they are put in a pressure cooker because they have so many demands placed on them. And it could be that one teacher to 20 kids and you have one sensory kid in there that doesn't have the regulation to make it throughout the day. The teacher doesn't have the capacity to only keep that kid regulated because she has 19 others to teach. Um, so my heart does go out to the teacher, but I am always, always happy to give them specific tools on how to help that child in that specific area that they're struggling with. Okay, that's great. So so when the child and the parent shows up here, you immediately start equipping the parent to take care of those sensory needs at home. Yes. Um, if the child is not kicked out of the school, but actually still there working with the teachers to make sure the child can have their needs met. You know, I think about this sometimes about these um, children and and what I've heard you articulate is this is not a behavior problem. Therefore, we cannot apply some fancy form of discipline um, that's going to come in like a magic wand and save the day. We have to learn what the child's needs are and then just meet those needs. Now, those kids, I think, in some way are kind of a gift in the classroom because they may be showing room for improvement in terms of not teaching strategies as much as just the environment itself. So can you talk a little bit about how if we're making modifications for one child, how's that also going to benefit every student in that classroom? Sure. There's so many benefits. We are all sensory beings. And I feel like, and we've seen in the classroom, um, when, for example, there's a child chewing on a crayon. Um, the immediate response from the teacher is, we don't eat crayons, Um, you know, your teeth are all green. (laughs) But the way we work on that here, and what I would suggest for other teachers to observe, um, is that this is a need uh, that this child is trying to meet. And he is using everything that is around him to try to meet this need. So it's being able to identify once you've observed what is going on in the environment to say, oh, buddy, it looks like you have, um, it looks like you want to bite on something. I have some special crackers or some veggie straws that um, 
could probably help you. Would you like to try some? And it's making it available to everyone, um, which is huge. And trying to find any which way to positively redirect a behavior that can seem to either escalate or um, that is just not something fitting with, with whatever is going on at that time. So I would just suggest that that observation and um, positive redirection. It's huge and it doesn't single out the child. Um, it's important for other children to also understand that we all have different needs. And I think it'd be huge for the teachers to be able to educate everyone on everyone's special needs. We all have special needs. Um, I can't change a diaper without Brittany gagging. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> um, and um, apparently all my sensory is good because I'm good with anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, that's great. You touched on something really important, which is needs. And, and yes, I believe that every behavior is a strategy to meet a need. And so if we're looking at children and their behaviors as a strategy to meet a need, then we can begin to look at what, is, what are the needs. Let's see if we can accurately identify what the need is. And so what you're suggesting is maybe just even trial and error and empowering the child by asking the child, here's some choices that I have. Do you like, would you like to try any of these? So it's a, a really intelligent and respectful conversation you're having with the child. Whereas a lot of times it might look like this is an act of defiance or misbehavior. The child is eating a green crayon. I'm an adult. I clearly know we do not eat crayons, and I might have a lot of reasons why I don't want the child eating the crayon. Um, but that's not really helpful. What is helpful, you're saying, is to really have a conversation with the child about the need. And then you even identified the need. It looks like you're needing to chew on something right now. And then you offer a suggestion for how to help. Yeah, and that sounds really compassionate. And I would imagine the child really feels heard yes. and that their need is legitimate and that it matters. So and This also gives the opportunity for you to, like you said, trial and error if something did work. Going back to that parent-teacher communication this is when the teacher starts to reach out to the families, not only with negative, you don't, I feel so bad for those emails that the parents are not looking forward to, but how about those positive things that are happening in the classroom? It looks like your child was really wanting some oral stimulation. Let me suggest more crunchy foods at lunch, um, trying to meet those needs throughout the whole body or the whole time environment at home, at school, after school activities. It's a solution. You're not only clarifying the problem, but you're really putting, giving them a solution. What's to say if they have an idea of, oh, we haven't brushed our teeth in a few days and we, he's been understimulated orally. I mean, there's so many ways of trying to get um, that positive communication to come up with that good solution. Yeah, so it's not about the defiance so much as it's right. about the child's just trying to get a need met. 
and it's not wrong to have needs. We all have them. <laughs> so normalizing that, that it's a need and really celebrating when you come up with a solution that works for the child. Yeah. So that's amazing. And I think we have a lot, a lot more to learn about that in education and then not only learn it, but to practice it, you know, which we're talking about a change in habits. We're talking about a change in perspective, but Ultimately, at the end of the day, everybody's happier, everybody's learning, everybody's healthier. So um, what I'd love to hear um, in the little bit of time that we have left is just if you could identify success stories, um, you know, without naming any names, just, you know, who sh- how this child showed up, what you saw in their experience here with you and, and on from there. It's so exciting to talk. We have so many in the three years that we've been here. It's it's been huge. And um, starting off with uh, when they talk to Brittany and when they're able to meet with her and um, have an evaluation, we had a family that had been kicked out of three schools, um, very prominent schools, um, and had every means in the world to have their child go to whatever school they just wanted them to belong um and this child started in our program and finished off the year and um I mean it would rain outside and she was just not well when she first started here and at the by the end of the program she was just the most wonderful bubbly kid and was loving interactions with other people the anxiety wasn't high um we've continued to be in their lives by giving them um the social skills uh, groups that we have here in the ot um one-on-one ot so um this this child came in here being kicked out of schools uh belonging somewhere um, was able to bridge out into a program where she is successful, successfully getting her needs met in, in, a, in whatever school program they are now and continuing to use us for that extra support. Um, we, we want to be, we want to get these families to a point where they don't need us anymore, but we're here if they do. Um, and I think, um, I think that she's doing phenomenal, and Brittany can tell you more about <laughs> Well, I just want to move on to another one. So um, we had a four-year-old boy who, again, got kicked out of his current school program, shows up to our program, and is biting 10 times a day. Well, like you had said earlier, the other families at this school don't want this kid biting. Well... Like I also said, the kid wasn't biting because he was mean or mad. He just needed to chew on something. So in less than two months of having him in our program, no biting. He will ask for a piece of gum. He will ask for some pretzels. Um, So that is just self-regulation at its best. Um, It's really incredible. We had another um, five-year-old boy. Uh, had been trying to potty train for two years. His anxiety was so high, so high, um, because he was. It was almost um, based on performance. 
he would get a reward if he did potty. He would get a reward if he went to the restroom. Um, we just took that uh, performance anxiety away from him and was potty trained in... Gosh, weeks from starting. Uh, three, yeah. three, three to four weeks, mm-hmm. potty trained. Um, because we just met him where he was and we realized the anxiety that it was creating for him and we just took that away. We would sing all of his favorite songs every time we went to the restroom and he was pottying in the potty. Um, so, I mean, every story is different, but we have had a 100% success rate for all the kids that have gone through and they were successful in their next school program. Um, and they were mainstream programs. Some of them went back to the same schools that they had gotten kicked out of because the families really wanted them there. But the families had also proven to the school that they did the work that it was going to take to get back in. Those are great stories, and I'm not surprised <laughs> um, because what you've uh, what we've illustrated today is that yes, behaviors matter because they're they can be indicators. But we have to take our focus off the behavior and we have to put it onto what the needs are that the child is showing us that they need to have met. And it comes back to the central nervous system and how well that's developing for the child. And and it sounds like some some things that you ladies are doing that are meeting the needs, the developmental needs, that we're not just talking about school performance here. We're talking about fulfillment in life for the child, you know, um, just really having a healthy brain, body, heart, et cetera, from which to navigate the world beyond school. And um, I can't remember if you mentioned this on our um, talk here, but but you did mention about children possibly learning that they don't like school because they're not feeling successful at school. And so we want to catch it before those negative associations start to be made in school. So we're talking about very young children. We're talking about preschool age. We're talking about early intervention is the most effective because it's so much easier, I would imagine, to meet those needs um, in present time rather than having to go back and remediate a nervous system that for 20, 30, 40, maybe longer years never really got what it needed in those early years. So I really appreciate what you ladies are doing here. I think you're serving a huge need in the community, and I think you're going to have a lot more people showing up on your doorstep, and I'm thrilled that you are moving to a bigger location so you can accommodate all of that need, and I wish you all the very best. I just wonder if you have any additional um, comments or tips or anything that you would like to say to parents or teachers. Sure. I would love to say even if you can't get to us, we are more than happy. I mean, we just want to help. We're not in this for the money. We want to help parents and teachers be successful with those kids so that their kids are then successful. So we'll give you our contact information. You can call us. You can email us. I have great tips for teachers. Yasmin has tips for teachers. I have tips for parents. Um, we just we just want to help. We love these kids, and we want life to be easier for the family as a whole.
That's wonderful. Thank you, Brittany, and thank you, Yasmin. Now, you are located here off the Katy Freeway, um, just between the Beltway and 610. And uh, side note, insurance may cover uh, part of the program, if not all of the programs. So parents really need to uh, reach out. And so what I'm hearing these ladies say is no matter what part of town you're in or where you are, reach out. These ladies are here to help and to support. So thank you all and um, wish our listeners well. We'll have information here for you so you can find Yasmin and Brittany and we'll pop that in um, with the podcast post. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.